The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Well, y'all, it's an honor to be back with you today. And as we are on the eve of a week of Thanksgiving, I know that We're thankful every day, aren't we? As we should be. I want to invite you to be turning in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. For some of you, um, this has been a number of months ago on a Wednesday night, Brother Ron Thompson had asked me to, to share a brief like five-minute devotion with y'all. And we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 30 for... Uh, about 15 minutes instead of five, but um, we're, we're going to expand that a little bit. So if you weren't here on that Wednesday night, then this will all be brand new. Some of you may go, yeah, I remember that. If you don't, don't worry about it. But we're, we're going we're gonna to see some of, not Moses' last words, but in the some of Moses' last words to God's people. Last words matter. We, we often look at Jesus' final words on the cross, those, those seven sayings when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Paul's last words to his beloved Timothy that, that honestly bring us hope and cause us to want to finish well. I absolutely despise instruction manuals. Now, if they got pictures, they're good. But those tedious, wordy, very technical instruction manuals drive me crazy. But you know what I've found? Especially over the last six or seven years as I have mechanic on my own vehicles out of necessity. Praise God for YouTube, by the way. But those instruction manuals, whether it's Childress or any of the other ones, they're important. And those minute details in there are important. Learned that one the hard way, but I won't take the time to tell you that story. God's given us the greatest instruction manual on planet Earth. And the details matter. The overall general story matters. It's the story of our gracious God who created all that there is. It's a story, it's the story of his love for his crowning creation, you and me. Human beings, homo sapiens. It's his story of how we fell and rebelled against him. And how judgment came and was coming. And for those who would leave this earth not forgiven of their sin would face an eternity of judgment and punishment. And I know you know well the place that we call hell. But it's also the story of the gospel. Of how Jesus came, was born of a virgin, lived that perfect sinless life that you and I could never 
ever hope to live. It doesn't take us as human beings long to prove that we're sinful. Usually about two. We've proven that. Our nature is not focused on anything good. It's the story of Jesus' sacrifice. Shedding His blood to pay my sin debt into yours. And God's instructions matter. There's more to God's story, obviously. That's But the Israelites were getting ready. They had wandered around in the desert because of their sinfulness. And they've been wandering around in circles for 40 years. And now they are at the the precipice of entering into the promised land. And Moses is reminding them of all that God had commanded. And basically he says, listen. Follow the instructions. And things will turn out well. Don't miss the minor details. Follow the instructions. And God will be with you and God will bless. And if you don't, things aren't going to go so well. And we know how the story turned out. It's also the story of my life and the story of your life. When, 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 we, when, we, when we follow the instruction manual, not that life is not full of hardship and suffering. Sure it is, even for the most faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Because we live in a fallen world. But when we follow the instruction manual, things turn out a whole lot better. And I had a seminary professor is that when I was going through the doctoral program. And his encouragement to me was always this. It was not to finish. It was not to finish my project. It was to finish well. I want to finish well in this life. Don't you? When I was a freshman in high school, actually it was the day we got out for summer vacation. The end of my freshman year in high school. After school, I was hanging out with some of my friends and um, one in particular, he and I were just, we were just riding around, riding country roads. And, and, and there was a party later on that, and that was a crawfish boil. And he needed to get back home, and we ran into some other friends of mine, and I'm, and, and I said, I'll just, look, you need to get home, I'm gonna jump in the back of the truck with, with, with these guys, and it wasn't two miles down the road to where the party was. Now, unfortunately, I, 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 I had some liquid encouragement in me that I regret to this day because I, for multiple reasons. But my buddy Brandon said, Jack, let me take you. you. You don't need to get in the back of the truck. Let me take you. Wise instruction that I didn't heed. And about 10 minutes later, as I fell over the side of that pickup truck, at 60 miles an hour. And my body made contact with the blacktop. I wished I had listened to my buddy Brandon. I bear the scars inside and outside of my body for that unwise decision. It was a stupid decision. 
Moses has been reminding the Israelites, before you ever get to chapter 30, we're just going to boil it down in chapter 30, to follow the instruction manual, to listen to God's commands, to obey his commands and his precepts and his judgments and, and all of those different ways that God's word is described throughout scripture. And if I could boil this message down to one sentence, this is what I don't want you to miss. God is pursuing a relationship with you, but you must respond. That begins when he pursues a relationship with you And his desire is for you to admit your sinfulness before him and your separation from him because of that sinfulness. And to turn from that sin and trust what Jesus did on the cross. That you may have life and not just life, but life abundantly. But even after that moment, for we who are part of the body of Christ, God continues to pursue that relationship with us. How many times have you wandered off the blood trail and you get off in the ditch and the Holy Spirit comes and slaps you upside the head and gets your attention? God still pursues his children. He pursued the Israelites. And when they were wicked and they were turned away, God would let them God would let them face consequences and then he would go. Why? God doesn't need us. God desires for you and for me to be in relationship with him for our benefit and for his glory. And so beginning in verse 15, Moses says, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, literally life and good, and death and adversity, literally death and evil. I've set this before you in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Three different ways of talking about God's word. Why, 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 why does Moses say that he wants them to do that? That's the what. The why is that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. Here's a but. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter to possess it. We'll stop there for just a moment. What Moses is trying to get them to understand is what I wish I had understand multiple times in my life. When, 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 I, when I was given a choice and I, and I had wise counsel, whether it was Brandon or my grandfather or other times in my life, What I wish I would have understood was that the choice I had literally was between life and death. Now, God graciously spared me on more than one occasion, 
But the truth is, the choice I made was a choice between life and death. Whether it was falling out of the back of that pickup truck or whether it was slipping down on the on wet highway six in Robilene, some of y'all have heard that story. And when I looked up, I was under the I was looking at the bottom side of a lady's car because I didn't listen to my grandpa when he said, "Hold up, boy, walk with me." And I decided to run across the street because we were headed over to Bell Brothers store. And I didn't see that lady coming from Natchitoches headed to Manny, and the light was green when they had a light in Robilene. And blacktop's wet. It's slick when it's freshly wet. And I ended up underneath her car. I wish I had understood that better back in the day. And so what Moses is going to describe here, especially when we get to verses 19 and 20, is that it is a matter of life and death. And as we prepare for Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that we have a God, the God who said, let there be and there was. The God who is King of kings and Lord of lords. The God who fed 5,000 men plus women and children with a sack lunch. Five biscuits and two brim. I'm thankful that that God loves me and loves you enough to pursue us. Not because he needs us. Because he desires us to bring him glory. And so here's what I want to leave you with quickly. Really, Moses gives the Israelites one thing to do. One command, if you will. And then he tells them how to do it and he describes it three different ways. The action is to choose life. To simply choose life, to choose to continue to respond to God's pursuing of a covenant relationship with you. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today and I have, that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. Why? In order that you may live. You and your descendants. How do we choose life? Moses describes it three ways. By loving the Lord your God. By obeying his voice. And by holding fast or cleaving to him. For this is your life. Loving God. Obeying his voice. Cleaving to him. Some translations say for he is your life. Both are correct. For this is your life and length of your days. That you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. This is how we finish well. This is how we don't just finish this life and, and, and make it to heaven with, 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 as Paul would describe, with, you know, smelling like hell and the flames of hell licking at our, our, just barely make it. We don't want to just barely make it. We want to finish well. How? Loving God, obeying his voice, and sticking close to him. Jesus would say abiding. And so let's look at that. He tells us how to choose life. And I could talk about the choosing life and what that looks like. And for you and me and for this day and time, 
the beginning of choosing life is when you and I say yes to Jesus Christ. When we surrender our life to him, our sins are forgiven, the slate is wiped clean. We are a new creation. We're not the, we, we are born again. And then we begin to live this out. We say yes to that covenant relationship through Jesus Christ. And so let's talk about what that looks like. He says, choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. We could say it this way. Choose life because your enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Choose life so that you experience what Jesus came to do. To give life and to give it abundantly. John 10, 10. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. That I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life. And then he says, do that, my loving God. Now, when he said that, their minds would have immediately gone back, what we would say back a few chapters, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And later on, even in Jesus' day, as they would read these words, their minds would immediately go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 and 5 says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's the only one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might or strength. And when he said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, Jesus would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When the Jews talk about loving God with all your heart, it includes the mind. It's not just feel good, it's intellectual as well. It's emotional, it's intellectual, it covers the whole basis. And so they would have remembered that. He said, love God, love him with everything you have and obey his voice. And that word obey is an interesting word. It literally means to publish, choose life in order that you may live, that you may live the abundant life that Christ died for you to have, to live, choose life so that you may live and that affects your descendants as well by loving the Lord your God and by publishing his voice. Now, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like as you and I live our life according to the instruction manual to the glory of God, as we live it out, others see it, don't they? What you and I have been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ is literally to become his publishers. You and I uphold the reputation of our great God by how we live our lives. 
how you and I live our lives tells a lost and dying world a whole lot about what we think about God. When we obey his voice, when we follow the instruction manual, when, when, when I blow it and I'm honest about it, and if I've blown it and others have seen it, then they need to see the change that happens in my life. My repentance needs to involve them because I have published something about my great God that I didn't want to publish, and I need to make that right. He says, choose life, love the Lord your God, obey his voice. And when you and I do our dead level best to live that out, we're right in the middle of God's will. People say all the time, what's God's will? And we find that in Scripture, the will of God several times. But listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 6. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. When when you and I live our lives in ways that, that show our love for God, that show our trust in God, that show our obedience to God... Those who don't know God see that and can be drawn to Him. In other words, we live the life of a witness. And when you're doing that, you are right in the middle of the will of God. So Moses basically gives them one command. Choose life. And then how to live it out. Love God with everything that you have. All that you are. Obey his voice. Live it out for others to see. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, that grumpy lady in the drive-thru. I would say that grumpy clerk at Walmart, but it's getting to the point where there's not many of them left. I'm the grumpy clerk because I'm checking myself out. That's a whole nother. Here's the third one. Stay connected to God. It's that word cleave. The, the New American Standard says holding fast, but it, but it's that old word cleave. It's the same word that, that, that we use in weddings all the time. It's the same word. And, and it literally means to be stuck together like glue. And the best description that I've, my redneck mind's been able to come up with is, 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 an, is the image of plywood. Now it takes, well, it takes more than two things because there's glue involved, but heat and pressure are key in that manufacturing of plywood. And you and I, as we go through life, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna face some heat and we're going to face some pressure. And when the heat and pressure of life hits us, where do you go? Sometimes we feel separated from God during those times. But what God wants 
is for it to drive you to him. When Jesus talked about abiding in him, that is the picture. We want to stay connected to God all the time. How do you do that? How do we do that? I, th- I think the two greatest parts in our life, two, two, two greatest things that you and I can do to, to stay connected to God, to abide in him, to cleave. Two things. Meditating on his word. Not, not just reading it, but really spending time in it. Meditating on his word. Psalm 119 talks about his word a lot. It's not the only place, but that's a great place to start. And number two, talking to him about his word in prayer. I would, if you've never prayed through scripture, I would encourage you to do that. That absolutely revolutionized my prayer life. It changed it completely. Praying through scripture. Psalms are a great place to do this. Go to the 23rd Psalm. And just as you read through, the Lord is my shepherd. Father, I thank you that you are my shepherd. And God so often... And you just talk about how he leads you, how he guides you, how he protects you. I mean, it, it will, you, you'll, you'll pray 30 minutes and think you've been there 30 seconds. And I'm, I'm too ADHD to be focused long. Praying scripture changed that. Just walk through scripture and just talk to God about his word. Time in the word and praying. If we were honest, are the two greatest struggles in our Christian life. It's not by coincidence. You're not weird. You're not abnormal. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Guess what he knows? He knows the two greatest things that will keep you connected to God are right here in his word, And staying before his throne of grace in prayer. So guess what the thief knows how to do? He knows how to turn that which should be most important to us into something that honestly feels like a chore. Or he knows how to make us feel guilty when we don't do it. Feel like we've just blown it. He knows how to keep you and me so busy that we don't see how we could ever have time to spend time in the Word and talking to God in prayer. He knows how to keep us busy with that which is good so that we miss out on that which is best. He knows how to make it seem like a chore rather than a joy. And so if you ever find yourself or saying, I just don't know how, I, I, I just don't have time. I don't have time to, to, to really sit down and spend time in the Bible. I just don't have time to really sit and pray. Your enemy is deceiving you on purpose. He knows what he's doing. Rebuke him for that. Cut out whatever you need to cut out. 
and get back to the most important thing that will keep you close in your relationship with God and will help you to finish well. Our enemy doesn't want us to understand this. And he's done well at it, let me just say. How many of you have ever dated? Everybody in here pretty much except those that are too young to date. And they're, of course, nowadays I know some kindergartners that are dating. They think they're dating, but you know. Lord have mercy. I ain't, I ain't hardly know what a girl was when I was in kindergarten. You, you date. The true purpose of dating is to get to know someone better, to spend time with them, to figure out who they are, to find out what's special about them. It works exactly the same way in our relationship with God. Now, I'm not talking about dating God. I'm talking about spending time with Him. And the more you and I spend time with Him, the more we spend time with Him right here, the more we spend time talking to Him, the more we begin to see His work in our life. And the more we want to spend more time with Him. Just as the more time I spent with Julie Swallow at the time, now Julie Bell... The more time I spent with her, the more time I wanted to be with her. It works the same in our relationship with God. And that's why the enemy wants to keep you so busy that you think you can't do it. Or it seems like such a chore you don't want to do it. Don't let him have the victory. Choose life. Love God with everything you've got. Obey his word. Live it out. And you stay stuck tight to him. And when we do that, you begin by receiving the gift of a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, if you're sitting in here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never repented of your sin, number one, acknowledge that you are a sinner. Scripture is pretty plain that every one of us who breathe oxygen on this earth and would be classified in the human category, every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and deserve the penalty for that which is hell. If you've never acknowledged that before a holy God and said, God, I, I, that's, I'm turning from that. And I know I can't do anything to save myself, but I believe Jesus did. If you surrender your life to him, he will do exactly what his word says he will do. He will forgive you. He will put hope and joy into your life. He will make you a new creation. And he will help you to love him, and to obey him, and to abide in Him. And that leads to exactly what Jesus said He came to do. Moses says, choose life. 
basically that when you get over there in the promised land, things will be good. God will be with you and God will bless you. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He came that you and I could be in a relationship with him. That he would be with us. That he would bless us. That he would use us. May it be so. Finish well. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that your word is truth. That in your word, Father, we find all we need for life and godliness. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here at First Baptist Manny. God, you've placed them right here in this town for your purpose. God, I pray that that purpose would come to be. Lord, I pray that you would protect them. God, I pray that you would use them. I thank you for Brother Mark as he leads them. I thank you, God, for the pastor search committee as they as, as they follow your will to find the next man that you would have to be pastor here. And I pray that would be so clear, Father, that 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 it would be it would be so evident that that no one could miss your man. Pray for this community, God. I pray for hearts to be open. I pray, God, for for reception to your Holy Spirit's work in their life. God, as your witnesses here go out into the harvest field, loving you and following your instructions and living it out, being that publisher for you, God, I pray for fruit. I pray for folks to, to come to know Jesus, for workers Come into this local body, your bride, to continue the work in the harvest field. Lord, as we sing, as you've spoken into each of our lives, Father, I just pray that we would simply say yes, whatever that yes looks like. Yes to salvation, yes to, to maybe becoming a member of this church here and planting their life here and serving Yes to a call to ministry. There's so many yeses that there could be in a room this size. But Father, I pray that our answer would simply be yes, Lord. And if in doing so, if the response needs to be public, God, maybe there's a joy or a burden on someone's heart that they want to bring to your altar this morning. A tangible way to lay it at your throne of grace. God, let our yes Simply be yes. And may you and you alone be praised. And God, this Thursday as we gather with friends and family and all that goes on during this week, I pray you'd be celebrated, Father. We are thankful. We love you. God, I thank you for loving us and for sending Jesus to show us how much. For it's in his name that I pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. 
For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.